right, welcome everybody. Welcome to River Glen. River Glen's one church in many locations. And so uh, welcome everybody here in Waukesha. And big welcome to everybody over in Pewaukee and online. So good to have you uh, with us. Hey, uh, today I want to start with a question. This comes from Matthew chapter 11 in the uh, uh, message paraphrase. Jesus asked this question, are you tired? Are you worn out? And uh, that's because Jesus cares about how we're doing and uh, how we're feeling. I came across this survey in Business Week magazine, and, and they asked a, a similar question to people on the job. How are you? How are you? And the number one response, after you get past the generic responses like fine, good, okay, the number one answer to how are you by far was I'm tired. I'm tired, or some variation of it, like I'm busy. Saying I'm busy is kind of like saying I'm tired or I'm getting ready to be uh, tired. We have other, other ways of saying it too. You know, I'm crazy busy, I'm slammed, I'm buried, I'm tied up. We live in a world where we can oftentimes feel that way. But rather than me ask you if you're tired, I want to show you some statements and see if these are true to kind of measure the pace of our life. And so I'll read it. If it's true, you can uh, raise your hand, okay, in the room. If you're, if you're watching online, you can type true in the chat. All right, here we go. Here's number one. I've cut through a gas station to avoid stopping at a red light. Uh, raise your hand on that one. Okay, I'm not just showing you how to raise your hand. My hand is up on that one. I've done that one. All right, number two. I don't like to take vacations where there isn't always something uh, to do. Yeah, you, 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 you feel restless unless you have something uh, to do on your vacation. All right, number three. I frequently look at my phone for no apparent reason. Yeah, because you, uh, you know, you got to have something to do. I read that Americans on average look at their phone, check their phone over 2,000 times a day. Uh, number four, people who talk slowly irritate me. It's like, just say it. Every word's a sentence. Just say it. Come out and say what you want to say, right? All right, what do we want? Number five, I often switch lines because I think the one I'm in is too slow. All right, yeah. And then last one, I believe God makes whatever line I'm in the slowest. I don't know a lot about God, but I know that one's true. Okay, whatever line I'm in, that's going to be the uh, slowest line. Many of us live fast-paced lives. Many of us feel tired, exhausted, worn out. Many of us are busy. But this might surprise you. Busyness is not necessarily bad. Busyness is not necessarily uh, wrong or a, a problem because there's a big difference between a busy life that is full and a busy life that is hurried. There's a big difference between a life that is full and a life that is flustered. Sometimes, you know what, busy can actually be good. Uh, John Mark Connors written a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, and uh, look at what he writes. There's a healthy kind of busyness where your life is full with things that matter, not wasted on empty leisure or trivial pursuits. The problem isn't when you've got a lot to do, it's when you've got too much to do, and the only way to keep the quota up is to uh, hurry. In his book, he uses this phrase, hurry sickness, hurry sickness, to describe what I think probably many of us suffer from. Hurry sickness is always striving and never arriving. You ever feel that way? Always striving never arriving. I feel that way sometimes. We chase after busyness, and we think, you know, the longer I work, the more productive I'm going to uh, be. But a study came out from Stanford University 
they discovered that productivity per hour actually goes down when a person works more than 50 hours a week. After 55 hours, productivity drops so much that it's really pointless to keep working any more hours. But the greater danger, I think, of hurry sickness is that it just cuts us off from our connection with God and our connection with others, and even the connection with our own soul. Now, if you wonder, you know, if you suffer from hurry system, uh, sickness, uh, consider these symptoms from uh, Comer's uh, book. How about, how about frequent irritability? And you find yourself uh, easily frustrated or, or quickly stressed out? What about emotional numbness? Do you feel unmoved by things that used to really matter to you? Do you find it hard to care about someone else's pain? Here's another symptom, disordered priorities. Do you feel busier than ever, but you still don't have time for the most important things? You, you, you feel like you're always reactive, rarely proactive. Are you displaying any escapist behaviors? Do you find yourself maybe binge-watching TV to try to escape, or maybe overeating or overdrinking? And finally, do you feel apathetic spiritually? Do the things that keep you close to God often get put to the side? When was the last time you, had a meaning, you spent meaningful time in prayer and reflection on Scripture? I want you to pause for a moment and just look over that, that list of, of symptoms. Take some inventory because you know what? I look at that list, and I hate to admit this, but I can see how hurry sickness has crept in my, in my life. I'll tell you what, over this last year, there's been way too many times that I've been short-tempered and irritable, and there's been way too many times when I've just kind of numbed out watching TV, and I don't want any, anybody or anything to, to, to bother me. If, if you really want to find out if, if any of these symptoms apply to you, ask somebody close to you. Ask somebody that you trust. Let them tell you what they see, because hurry sickness, striving and never arriving, takes a toll on us. It takes a toll on our bodies. It can make us feel physically sick, and it takes a toll on our souls. We convince ourselves that what matters most is right here and now in, and we don't we don't take time to be with God but here's the good news uh, today today we're going to continue looking at a great scripture that I think can help free us from the burden of hurry sickness and restore our souls today we're continuing this series is called uh, the goat uh, goat stands for the greatest of all time uh, many times people like to argue and debate about who's the goat in sports who's the goat in basketball and and things like that. But we're not talking about sports. We're talking about the greatest scripture of all time. What I think is probably the greatest chapter of all time, and that would be Psalm 23. Psalm 23, or the book of Psalms, is actually right in the middle of your Bible. If you just take your Bible, go to the middle, that's where Psalms is, is located. It's in the middle of your Bible, and we should keep it in the middle of our lives. Today we're going to take a look. We're going to focus on verse 2 and the beginning of verse 3. But before we do that, why don't we just read the goat out loud together. Would you join me? Let's read this out loud on the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thanks. Last week we focused on uh, verse 1 where David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. Even though David worked as a shepherd, he didn't write this psalm from the perspective of a shepherd. He writes from the perspective of a sheep because all of us are like uh, sheep. But last week I, I made it clear that's not a compliment. I mean, sheep are pretty dumb. Sheep need and depend on a shepherd to do almost everything for them, to care for them and guide them and protect them and provide uh, for them. But last week, I, I think I was pretty tough on sheep and how sheep are dumb. And sheep are dumb. But you know what? Sheep do one thing really, really well. They know their shepherd. Take a look. One more time. great sheep sheep are smart about that one thing they know their they know their shepherd they trust their shepherd they listen to their shepherd jesus said my sheep know my voice my sheep know my voice and this is really important because one of the main reasons we struggle with busyness and hurry sickness is because we confuse this relationship instead of admitting that we're like sheep we start to live like we're the shepherd rather than the sheep we start to live like it all depends on me I have to protect myself. I've got to provide for myself. It, it all depends on me. And when I live like the shepherd instead of like the sheep, I put pressure on myself that I was never, ever meant to carry. And you know what? It makes it really hard for us to slow down and rest. So let me uh, read the beginning verses again because I really want you to take this in. Look at this. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Now, when David writes, he makes me lie down in green pastures, that, that sounds forceful, doesn't it? Like he's, like he's forcing us to lay down. You know, he's pushing us down. He's knocking us down. But, but that's not the idea here, okay? A better way of translating this would be to say, he settles me down. He settles me down in green pastures. Philip Keller is a, a shepherd who wrote a book about Psalm 23 from the perspective of a shepherd. And he says, it's almost impossible for a sheep to lay down and rest unless four conditions are, are met. First, they must be free from fear. Sheep are timid uh, creatures. I mean, a little rabbit can frighten a sheep and send the whole flock on a stampede. Second, they must be free from friction. 
with other sheep in the flock. Sheep are social creatures, and rivalry and, and, and competition will cause tension and friction, and they won't lie down and rest. Third, sheep must be free from pests. They won't rest if bugs and flies are tormenting them. And last, they must be free from hunger. Sheep are not going to lie down and rest if they think they've got to go and search for food. And you know what? We need those same conditions in our life. David makes the point that we have a good shepherd who eliminates all our fears, all our frictions and threats and, and hunger so that we have nothing to worry about. There's nothing that I need that I don't already have or I can't receive from the shepherd. The shepherd settles us down so that we can, can rest. Something interesting to me about uh, sheep is how they lay down and rest and sleep in green pastures. I never thought about this before, but uh, for sheep, their mattress is their food. Wouldn't that be great to have your mattress, you know, be your food? I mean, sheep are, you know, resting, you know, and sleeping, and they wake up and, you know, start chewing their uh, dinner. Uh, wouldn't it be great? I would love for, for, you know, my mattress to be like fresh baked bread. Mm, you know, let me dream a little bit about that. We need rest, and we need sleep. Sometimes we underestimate the importance. I read that in, in the year 1910, the average American slept nine hours a night. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have all the lighting and all the technology that we do today. It got dark out, you go to bed, right? Nowadays, we're lucky to get seven hours of sleep, right? As a matter of fact, Center for Disease Control and Prevention did a study and found that one out of three Americans do not get seven hours of sleep a, a night. And seven is what they say is the absolute minimum. The CDC says if you're not getting seven hours of sleep per night, you're at higher risk for obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, stroke, mental distress, heart disease, and early uh, death. That's not a great list, is it? You know, one of the best things that some of us could probably do is to just lay down and, and, and sleep um, after the service. Uh, do that, okay? We, we, need, we need rest. Just like, because just like tired and stressed out sheep, uh, they don't grow and thrive and gain weight and produce wool and produce lambs, which is the goal of, of sheep. We need rest. We all need rest in order to be at our best. Rest is important, but I, but I think Psalm 23 is talking about more than just lying down and, and sleeping. I think it's talking about more than just periodic moments of taking it easy and relaxation. I think Psalm 23 is talking about more than taking a day off or even going on a vacation. Those are all good things, but, but I think it's talking about more uh, than that. I want to define rest for you. Rest is not inactivity. Rest is the condition of your soul. Rest is not quitting everything because you're tired. Rest is not doing nothing, accomplishing nothing. True rest is the condition of your soul. It's peace and freedom from hurry sickness, and it makes us even more productive. Here's what this means. Sometimes, sometimes we, need, we actually need to add something to our life to experience true rest. You may need to add something that'll enhance your life, that'll breathe life into you, that'll, that'll replenish and restore your soul. Here's three questions to ask yourself. What is it that replenishes you physically? I mean, it doesn't wear you out 
It brings you energy. What restores you emotionally? It doesn't drain you. It energizes you. And what replenishes you spiritually and fill, fills you up? What, what, do you, what do you need to add to your life? Maybe it's going for a walk in the morning. Maybe it's spending more time in the Bible to allow God to speak into your life. Maybe it's sharing a good meal together with your family. You know, for me, I love to ride my bicycle on a trail uh, near our, our house. And I love to go for walks with Marnie. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll go for a walk uh, by myself and I'll listen to a podcast that interests me or inspires me. Those activities replenish me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Verse 2 in, in Psalm 23, I think, speaks to this. David writes, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Notice how it's all about what God does for him. David is not saying, here's, here's, here's the things that you need to do. He's saying, you need to align with God and you need to create margin and space in your life. You need to intentionally put yourself in, in a place, in an environment where, where you can receive these replenishing things from, from God. David talks about posture and location and environment. Rest is about making space for God to renew and restore us. And Jesus modeled this beautifully for us. In the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, we read about a day when everybody in this town came out to hear Jesus teach and see Jesus perform miracles. It, it was a really busy time for Jesus. If, if there's anybody who had a full schedule and had a lot to accomplish in a short amount of time, it was Jesus. Jesus was busy, but he wasn't hurried. He lived a full life, but not a flustered life. And here's the key. Look at what it says about Jesus in verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. He left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus intentionally put himself in a place, in an environment where God could replenish him. When was it for Jesus? It was very early in the morning. And I don't know when, it, when it'll be uh, for you, but, but this week, this week, this coming week, uh, would you, whether it's in the morning or evening at night, would you just take five minutes a day and would you read the goat uh, twice? Read Psalm 23 twice because it'll help you feel the presence of the shepherd and it is going to fill your soul. I mean, there's many ways that can make this convenient for you. There's, there's many ways that you can download Psalm 23 on your phone and, and, and make it easier uh, for you to, to read. Maybe, maybe read it once in the morning and once in the evening to start and end your day well. And don't just know the words. Allow those words to really know you. I came across this illustration. It's from a book called Directions by James Hamilton. Hamilton writes that long ago, before the invention of refrigeration, people preserved food in ice houses. Ice houses had these thick walls and no windows and a tightly fitted door. When the streams and lakes would freeze, they would go out and cut these big blocks of ice and haul them to ice houses and cover them with sawdust. Oftentimes the ice would last well into the uh, summer. But one day, this man lost a valuable watch in the ice house. And he searched all through the sawdust and he couldn't find it. His co-workers came over and helped him search. They couldn't find it either. A young boy heard about the fruitless search 
And at noon, he slipped into the ice house, and he soon came out with the watch. And all the guys are like, how did you find that? And the boy said, I closed the door, and I laid down in the sawdust, and I kept very still, and pretty soon I could hear the watch ticking. And you know what? When you slow down in a quiet place with God and with his, with his word, you're going to hear from him. You're going to hear his voice, and it will replenish and restore your soul. And the more that we do this, the more we're going to learn to recognize God's voice, just like, that, just like those sheep in that uh, video. So, so take some time and, and read the goat. Read, read Psalm 23 twice a day and listen to what God says to you. Here, here, but here's what will happen. If, if you just listen to your own internal voice all the time, you're going to end up tired and, and exhausted and stressed out because there's always something more to do. There, 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 you're never finished. You're trying to prove yourself. You're striving and never arriving, and it leads to hurry sickness. Listen, though, what, what Jesus says about true rest in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isn't that a great verse? And you might think, if you didn't know it, that the next verse says, you know, lay down, take a nap, relax, which are good things to do, but that's not what it says. In fact, it actually says the opposite. Look at what Jesus says in the next verse. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He says, he says take my yoke, which means do work. I want you to do my work, Jesus says, but I want you to work differently. In Jesus' day, a yoke was a wooden frame that would... Uh, hold two animals together so that they would work more efficiently. And, and really, there were two kinds of yokes back then. There was kind of the generic one-size-fits-all yoke. And the problem with the one-size-fits-all is that animals come in different shapes and sizes. After a day of plowing, the animal would be bruised and bleeding because the, the yoke didn't fit. But Jesus refers to a second kind of yoke here that is custom-fit. If a farmer really loved an animal... A farmer would measure the animal and make a custom-sized yoke and then bring the animal back and adjust it and make sure that the yoke didn't rub against the animal and cause pain and, or, or injury. And Jesus explains how this leads to rest. In the next verse, he says, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When Jesus says easy, uh, what he really means is well-fitting. His way of life doesn't remove the work, it makes the work easier. Jesus says to us, the life that I give to you is not meant to be a burden that weighs you down and rubs against you. The life that I want for you is made to fit you. It is designed, custom designed for you. So let me encourage you to take off that yoke of performance and perfection. Take off that yoke, remove that yoke of striving and never arriving. Lay down that yoke of never measuring up and take up the, the, the graceful yoke of Jesus that is easy and light. I, I like Eugene Peterson's take on Jesus' words in the message uh, paraphrase of the scripture. He says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life 
I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. Doesn't that sound great? So here's what I want to do. I want you to think about your schedule uh, right now. Because your schedule, you know what? That's like your yoke. That's like your framework, your plan for your life. Your schedule can include practices that replenish you and free you from hurry sickness. Here's what I find. When I talk to people who live with a sense of peace and rest that can only come from Jesus, oftentimes I find that, that, that they struggled, that came after they struggled for many years with hurry sickness, and their new way of life is the result of careful planning and scheduling that includes four important areas of life. Now, before I share this with you, I want you to understand this is not about adding more things for you to do. This is a tool to help us develop a schedule that fits you and replenishes you so that you can be at your, at your best for God and for others. The four areas come from Luke's uh, description of how Jesus grew. Luke writes that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. In other words, Jesus grew uh, relationally, physically, mentally, and spiritually. So we're going to call these four areas the uh, RPMs. We made a, a diagram uh, that we handed out, I think, when you walked in. Would you go ahead and take that out? looks like this. If you're watching online, I'd love for you to just take out a uh, scratch paper, and make four boxes that looks like this, and that way you can follow along. And I'm going to show you some parts of my RPMs. This isn't all of it, but parts of it to give you an idea of what this uh, can look like. First of all, under uh, relational, I've got date night with Marnie, and uh, this is something that we do uh, each week, but to be honest, uh, we've let this slip this past year, and uh, we need to get back to doing it. This is important for us relationally. I'm also in a, uh, a life group uh, here at River Glen. I don't lead it. Uh, I, I participate in it, and it is very life-giving for me relationally. I also have a 50-hour uh, work week uh, here. Uh, this is a goal, uh, true confession. Uh, too many times I believe the lie that working more hours, you know, leads to more productivity, and so I need to work down uh, to this goal, and it's going to help uh, my relationships to thrive uh, more. And then in the physical box, I've got uh, exercise four times a week, and then seven hours of sleep each night. Uh, those are, there are more things in that box. Those are a couple that are important uh, to me. If you look in the men mental box here, I've got Praying for One. That's a book I'm reading that I really am enjoying a lot, and I've also got uh, listened to several uh, podcast uh, too. And then under spiritual development, I've got daily quiet time of reflective prayer and Bible reading. That's a game changer for me. That's as life-giving as anything that I do, and that's a high priority uh, for me. And then weekly celebration uh, service. I try to show up at uh, church services uh, from time uh, to time. And then pray with Marnie before sleeping. This is something that we started doing uh, recently, and it's been really good uh, for us. Now, that's just a snapshot of a few items in each category. Again, the idea is not to, you know, give you more to do, but to develop a yoke, a framework, a schedule that fits you and replenishes you 
so that you can get rest and be at your best. Remember, rest is not inactivity. Rest is the condition of your soul. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to uh, take that handout we gave you uh, right now. Would you do that? And grab a pen. And I want you to uh, be honest and, and rate yourself in each of these four areas on a scale of one to five. Let's, let's do this right now. Just take a, a moment and write a number. Uh, one would be not good. Five would be great, okay? So on a scale of one to five, how are you doing relationally? How about physically? On a scale of one to five, you know, one is not good, five is great. How are you doing physically? And then how are you doing mentally right now on a scale of one to five? And then over here, spiritually, on a scale of one to five, uh, write down a number. And then when you leave here today, I want you to start in the area where you need the most help. And I want you to define one or two ways that you can make a positive change in that area so that you can begin to experience more of the peace and the rest and the life that Jesus wants for you. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this great scripture of Psalm 23 and thank you for communicating your desire for us to feel peace and rest in our soul. God, help us to not settle for hurry sickness where we keep striving and never arriving. God, this week as we read Psalm 23 and we think about our schedules and RPMs, we want to open ourselves to hear your voice and follow your lead to experience more of the life and peace and rest that you have for us. Help us to embrace our role as sheep and to listen and to follow you as our shepherd. In Jesus' name, amen.